God never understood how anyone could believe in simple chance. Uh, that things only randomly happen and that there's no rhyme or reason to it. All the time when things happen and you take a step back and look at a situation, in hindsight, there's always a pattern. There's a hand directing events, things that, that happen. Um, one of our most awkward Christmases in our family happened seven years ago. Uh, Carrie was 35 weeks pregnant. Um, our little family of three, and she goes, oh, yeah, um, that we had prayed for for so long was about to become a family of four. And to top it all off, um, when you go from having a 32-weeker in the NICU for five weeks, that next pregnancy is treated like a, a radioactive event. I mean, you know, you go to the doctor 15 times a month, and we got ultrasounds every month, and it was just, there was so much going. And since he had come eight weeks early, she was high risks. We were going every two weeks, every month or so to get an ultrasound. We got to know the process of gestation very intimately. Um, but with Shallow coming early, we held our breath every appointment. Every appointment we would go and we'd go, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? We knew things that could happen at any time. And so we planned a small baby move. Just one last date night, one getaway uh, before baby number two, as she was known at that point. Um, and in September, we asked my aunt and uncle, Paul and Richard, if they would watch Shiloh the Monday after Christmas uh, so that we could go to the doctor on Monday. We had an appointment that next Monday um, and just stay out overnight. And as the days moved closer, uh, we began to think it wasn't going to happen. Uh, we, would go to a, we would go to a, a, a prenatal specialist appointment and he would be like, well, <coughs> things are kind of progressing and so we don't know how things are going to happen. And so... Uh, Signs began to point to this early label, so, labor, so I canceled our reservation at the normal hotel we would stay at. Because in the oil field, if you don't make reservations really far out, the price is like outrageous. And so we were like, okay, we found one hotel that we could afford, that we liked the place. And so we had we made reservations, canceled the reservation. And then three days later, I thought, no, we're supposed to do this. I need to do this. So I tried to make the reservation again, and they were booked up. So I made a reservation at a new hotel in town. It was a new one that had just opened. Uh, and over the course of the next couple of months, we almost canceled several times. I would say, oh, we're not going to do this. And something would say to me, no, we got to keep going. And then Christmas happened. So it was good. Paul and Richard came down. Um, and then Christmas, I think that year was on a Friday, right? Yes, on Friday. And... Uh, the day after Christmas, we lived in the middle of the desert, basically, there was a West Texas blizzard. <laughs> there were like 14 inches of snow. I mean, you, you can ask uh, Richard and Cheryl about it. They'll tell you they were out there in Big Ben that weekend. And so she talks about staying in the snow. Um, and so we didn't have church on Sunday because it had thawed a bit, but because it had frozen back over, I didn't want anybody on the road. So we decided to go ahead, uh, since it was thawing on Sunday again, to go the next morning on Monday to the appointment. We are going to take our time because everything was an hour away. So it was going to take at least two hours, maybe three, to get to Odessa for the appointment. So we took our time, and we got halfway there, and the phone rang, and it was the doctor who said, we're canceling all of our appointments today <laughs> because we don't want anybody to come in. Well, we're halfway there. Um, let's just go ahead and go. It's too late to cancel our reservation. We don't want to lose the money. So we went to lunch. 
We went to a movie, and then we went to the hotel and ordered delivery pizza because you couldn't do that back home. And so we liked the idea of delivery. And it was at that point that Carrie got up to go to the bathroom and her water broke. And so we uh, went to go to the hospital. I had rushed downstairs and I fell on the ice getting in the car, truck, whatever we were in. Um, and got her out, got to the hospital, and upon exam, there was already a hand coming out. And they said, uh, well, let's, let's confirm this. So they called the doctor in and he checked and he said, that's not a hand, that's a foot. And I said, that makes sense. She was breached last week, so I didn't figure it would change. They said, we need to do an emergency C-section. And Carrie turned white as a sheep because Carrie's biggest fear, the reason she would never talk about C-sections through both of those pregnancies was she did not want to miss the delivery. I don't want to go to sleep. And they said that and I said, stop. Looked at me like, who are you? And I said, you can't put her to sleep. Well, why? Well, we just ate pizza. Well, how long ago? 15 minutes. <laughs> so we just ate pizza. So they came in and they did the spinal, and Micah was born. Uh, and I went home to check out at the hotel that next morning, and they didn't charge us for the room overnight. So many things had to line up. For Micah and Carrie to actually be alive and with us here today. Um, the night that Micah was born, the helicopter couldn't fly because of weather conditions. The little hospital in Rankin couldn't do labor and delivery, especially not a breech birth. Um, and if we would have tried to drive at night on those roads, maybe none of us would have been here. Uh, and by the way, with all of the ultrasounds, there were probably, what, 30 in that pregnancy? They never once discovered that Carrie has a bifurcated uterus, which means her uterus is split right in half, which is why babies only grow to a certain size inside her body and come out almost fully formed at, you know, 32 weeks. Um, and if they had, we would have never had Asher because we would have tried to take steps not to have Asher. All of these things fell into place. There's a plan. And as we continue in our series, Awkward Family Christmas, we see another plan that comes together in, in much the same way, things that you would never expect happen. happen. This week in Jesus' family tree, we look at Rahab, the harlot who saved Christmas. And Joshua 2 is where we find ourselves. Israel has come out of the promised land. Of course, they've not listened to God very well, of course. Um, and... God says, well, you're going to wander. You're going to wander until you're done. And so that's what happens. Um, then when Moses has died and Aaron has died and all of that generation has died, it is time for the conflicts. And Joshua is the leader. And Joshua there in chapter 2 begins the process and it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a woman, a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they had came to investigate the entire land. 
But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. But she had taken them to the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the forge of the Jordan. And as soon as they left to pursue them, the gate was shut. Before the men fell asleep, she went on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this, you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried the waters up of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. <clears throat> the men answered her, We will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then she let them down by a rope through the window since she lived in a house that was built under the wall of the city. Go to the hill country so that the men pursuing you won't find you, she said to them. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return. Afterward, go on your way. The men said to her, We will be free from this oath you made us swear, unless when we enter the land you tie the scarlet cord to the window through which you let us down. Bring your father, mothers, brothers, and all your father's family into your house. If anyone goes out the doors of your house, his blood will be on his own head, and we will be innocent. But if anyone with you in the house should be harmed, his blood will be on our heads. And if you report our mission, we are free from the oath you made us swear. Let it be as she said, you say, she replied, and she sent them away. And after they had gone, she tied the scarlet cord to the window. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. In this passage, we see the hand of God at work protecting his people, making a plan come together. But this morning, what I really want us to see in this text are the marks of a true faith. The marks of what true faith are. And because as we look at Rahab, she clearly has true faith. We, we see what is going on in her life, and it is a very different position. And the first thing we see as we read this, because this is a story about Israel. This is a story about the Jewish people. And they're going into a land to conquer it and completely destroy it. That's their orders. But here we have this woman who has faith. The first thing we see is that true faith in God can come from surprising places and surprising ways. Can you imagine the shock of the spies? <laughs> this lady, you know, and it's not like they went to the rich woman in town. It's not like they went to the ultra-religious woman in town. They went to the place where they weren't going to be noticed. They went to the prostitute's place. They went to the inn. They went to the place where nobody would think to look twice. They were trying to hide. <laughs> Two men of Israel, the chosen people of God, the only people who were supposed to be serving him in Canaan, in a harlot's house, and there they find this expression of faith. Rahab is described as a harlot. That's obviously who she used to be. And they kept her for many things, but she was a Canaanite. Canaanites, they served many gods. 
That's where when you read in Scripture and we talk about Baal or Baal, it wasn't one God. It was the Baals. There were several gods. There were several different forms this God would take. And so there were several different entities that they would bow down to and worship. And here she was in the midst of this culture of polytheism, this idol worship. Every other worship that God had warned against. She wasn't raised on Torah. She didn't have good Jewish parents. There wasn't a Levitical priest to teach her the message of God. She was on a trade route. She heard things. Especially in her business, she heard things. She heard about this Red Sea being parted and drying up. She heard about the king Sihon and Og destroyed across the Jordan. And from this woman, this Canaanite, this harlot, we have one of the greatest statements of faith in Scripture. She says, because I know the Lord has given you this land, and that the Lord your God is God in heaven above and earth below. By making that statement, she is putting God over the God she had always served. She is placing God in a place that Canaanites really didn't want to do. Above and below, honestly, is only used three other times prior in Scripture to describe God. Three other times. This woman somehow knows this description, though she hasn't even taught this description. She makes this statement of faith. That had to have been a shock to the Israelites' eyes. Okay. So where are we going with this? What's going to happen? You know, honestly, it's just true of faith, true faith even today. Faith shows up in unexpected places. I'm never really shocked to find a, a solid faith in poverty. Poor people have faith. I'm never shocked to see a true faith in sickness. Sick people usually find faith. I'm never shocked really to see faith in these places. Places that we would look at and go, how can they believe? But yet they still have faith and they still understand. I, I'm never surprised to find people who struggle with, with substance addiction who have great faith because it's a demon they deal with and it's something they struggle with. It's something that they have to fight off and they have great faith and they're crying out to God. And, and sometimes the truth is, the reason they continue to struggle is the church has failed them. We, we, we want God to just take it away, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes we have to walk alongside them. You know, so to look at true faith, we have to understand that faith can come from surprising places and in surprising ways. Here, these people, she, she shouldn't know this. She shouldn't make this statement. Because honestly, right now, she is, she's got a death sentence on her head. At this moment, when she makes this statement, she is supposed to die. That's it. She's supposed to die. But, in the midst of that, she makes a statement that she hides it. Because true faith in God will be accompanied by actions that illustrate the faith. <laughs> she hides the spots. You ever tried to hide things from somebody? <laughs> you ever play hide and seek with kids? As, as a kid, they can hide places and you have no idea where they're at. We have spent hours looking for Micah at times. She can crawl into places that I can't get into. <laughs> but then I go and try to hide. What am I going to do? I, I hide behind the curtain? I mean, you're going to find me. 
if I get on the bed and cover up with the covers, you're going to see me. She's hiding three men, or two men. She's hiding these men on top of her house. And they come to the door and they say, Hey, let us in. Let's take these men. They're here to, to scout the land. Do what you're supposed to do as a good Canaanite woman. She went against her own people and protected those she knew to be the people of God. Her actions proved the faith that she was proclaiming. She, should have, she could have thrown her hat in with the people of Jericho. It was heavily fortified with an actual army. She could have said, yeah, they're hidden on the roof. And that would have guaranteed her safety with the king of Jericho. But she didn't. Instead, she hid the spies and saved their lives and hoped that they would also give her salvation. In a hope of a salvation. Not in, not, not in a knowledge of salvation. She hoped. She had to put her faith in this God that she was proclaiming that he would make them keep their word. She had a hope. Her faith was accompanied by actions. James says it this way in chapter 2 of his epistle, faith without works is dead. True faith in God changes you. If you really believe, you cannot sin the same. You can't. It's an impossibility. If you really believe that God created the heavens and the earth, if you really believe that God stepped out of heaven 2,000 years ago and walked on this earth sinless and voluntarily died on a cross for you, you cannot stay the same. You can't always go with the status quo. Your life will change. What you do will change. How you do it will change. Shortcuts that are questionable won't seem so appealing anymore. You're going to find yourself going, well, wait a minute. True faith will be accompanied by actions and a lifestyle that show that faith. There will be no question who you belong to, whose you are. But also, true faith in God may cost you a great deal. Rahab lost her country. She lost her friends. She lost her home. And we don't know what else. The decision she made by faith that though her hiding with Israel was going to cost her the life that she knew. Everything that she had known was no longer going to do. Because she was choosing to throw her hat in with Israel. Today, true faith May cost you a great deal. <laughs> it's funny because the free gift of God still might cost something. This last week, we were blessed last, last Saturday. Uh, then my aunt took us to take pictures together. And that was a blessing. We didn't have to pay for the the, the, the portrait of city being everything else. But I had to buy clothes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any jeans. I hadn't owned jeans in a few years. I didn't have anything to wear. I didn't want to wear, you know, athletic shorts to take pictures with my family. So I had to put some I had to put something out there. So the free gift cost me something. It's not that it wasn't worth it. It's that it cost me something. The same thing is true with Jesus' free gift. It's a free gift. He gives it to us. We don't have to do anything to receive it. But guess what? When we choose to follow it, it may cost us things because we've chosen to follow it. It may, it may cost us security by the world's standards. 
Because the world tells us security is found in power, it's found in politics, it's found in money, it's found in all sorts of these things. But that's not what the Bible tells us security is found in. But in following Jesus may make us say, well, I'm not going to trust in that anymore. I'm not going to find security in that anymore. Because, you know, the truth is, you can work every hour of every day and make lots of money and still not have security. Because in, in, my, limited, in my limited experience of money, the more I have, the more I seem to need. Because things just keep adding up. I can't put my security in the things of the world. And when you trust Jesus, when you follow Jesus, faith may cost you security by the world's standards because the world's going to look at you and say, but you're not doing this, 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 and this. And I'm going, I know, but I'm, I'm following him. And he takes care of the need. And, and, and the door is open. It, it may cost you relationships. There are people around the world today who lose their family still because they choose to follow Jesus. If they live in a Muslim country or a country... That, that doesn't allow religion or, 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 or they have ancestor worship, if you follow Jesus, you're disowned. You're shunned. You no longer have family. But in America, you may have family who thinks you're out of your mind, who, who may want to have nothing to do with you. I, I, I have family who, they love me, but they don't want to invite me to their get-togethers because I don't live the same lifestyle with and it's just the way it is. It may cost you something. It may cost you a job. Sometimes faith costs you your job because the job wants you to do things. Sometimes faith may cost you freedom. <laughs> it may cost you freedom physically. There, there are people around the world in prison for their faith. But it may also cost you the freedom to uh, have what you desire. Because you may need to submit your desires to Jesus' will. <clears throat> Just because we have the freedom to say it doesn't mean we should. True faith may cost you. But you know, the blessings of believers can overflow into the lives of those around them. Rahab is admittedly trying to save her life. But she didn't ask just for safety for herself. She got safety for her family. And we really don't know if they ever shared a new faith. We never hear from Rahab's family again. But they were blessed because she was blessed. They were blessed through her faith. We know that the blessings she received flowed onto them because they were saved. And the same is true for us. People we are around can be blessed by our blessings. It should be that way. It's supposed to be that way. We're supposed to have things that overflow from our lives into the lives of others. And they don't have to be huge things. It doesn't have to be money. It can be joy. It can be happiness. It can be contentment. It can be peace. It can be friendship. All sorts of things that come into our lives that should just overflow. From the creation of the nation of Israel, God's purpose was for His people to bless the nations. Israel, honestly, was sent into exile because they forgot to be a blessing to each other and to the people around them. They didn't go into exile because they didn't go to church. They went to church. 
They gave their sacrifices. They gave their offerings. They did the things they were supposed to do. But they didn't love each other and those around them. That's why they went into exile. Over and over again, the prophets, God will say, I despise your offerings. Your, your, your worship is a stench in my nostrils. Well, they were going to church, obviously. But he said, but he would say, what? Let justice roll on like a river. He would say, what do we come to? No, Micah says, what do we come before you with? Do we come with 10,000 rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? He says, no. I've told you what to come before me with. And there are little things, right? To love justice and mercy and walk humbly with your God. That's worship. And then James says what? True worship is to care for widows and orphans. That's worship. That's what God is looking for. How we treat others. When believers are blessed, those blessings should overflow into the lives of those around us. If they aren't, we're failing to perform our mission of blessing the nations. The true faith in God will always be rewarded. Always. Rahab, her faith was rewarded in many ways. First, she received her life. Right? She was saved. She receives a new husband. Now, some of you women may be going, that's not a reward. That's a reward. <laughs> but in that society... That was a reward. She, was, she got a new husband. A new husband from the tribe of Judah. Sound the head of the tribe of Judah. She was rewarded in the fact that now she is directly in the line from which Messiah will come. Where she saves Christmas. And she's committed for her faith both in Hebrews and in James in the New Testament. From these actions. From this little story. Faith is always rewarded. Rahab's rewards are both then and in the future. And that reward may look different than what we want. But it's a reward nonetheless. God may give us things we never even thought of. When we follow God in faith, we're rewarded with fellowship. We don't have to walk alone. One of the, one of the things that, that bothers me about believers today is for some reason we suffer in silence. And I don't understand that. I, I don't know where that comes from. Carrie has always said, you share way too much. I don't know that that's possible. Because we're supposed to walk with each other. And it's not that she thinks I share too much with y'all, it's with everybody. I mean, you know, in Walmart. <laughs> standing in line talking about her mother's brother's cousin's kid, and they're like, who? She's like, how do you know them? I don't. <laughs> Just met them. They said, I know Jesus, so we must be related. So uh, that, that's uh, we, we're supposed to be that way. Fellowship comes. We're rewarded with favor. Sometimes God just smiles on us. And things begin to happen. And things fall into place. And, and God shows us favor. Sometimes we're rewarded with our needs being met. Sometimes things just show up at the exact right time. And we're, and we're holding out hope. And we're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. And all of a sudden, it's just met. And you're like, what? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, and I'm glad that God works that way. Because, you know, my kids now, when they have a need, they have no problem saying, well, I'm just going to pray for it. It puts me in a bad spot sometimes. Because <laughs> I need to pray harder for God to find some way to, to give that to them. Because if they're praying for it, I want them to know that God's going to answer their prayers. And so, but, but God always does. Because they've seen us say, we're going to pray for this. And then a check will show up in the mail from an insurance company. 
that we were with 10 years ago. And that's happened. And we're going, where did this come from? Oh, we remember when you had a policy with us back in 2012. And I'm going, really? It's $500. And I'm going, okay, I'll take it. We've been praying for that much money. God does that sometimes. But we're also going to be rewarded with heaven. We're going to be rewarded with that place that we stay until the end of time where God puts his kingdom back on the new earth. We're rewarded with eternal life. And we're, we're rewarded with the rewards of heaven. All the things that happen there. There are rewards that happen here. There are rewards that happen there. And no matter what you're experiencing now, no matter how bad it might seem or how unseen or unappreciated you may feel, rest assured your reward is coming. Your reward's coming. Your faith will be rewarded. That's, that's the message I see here in Rahab because true faith is always rewarded. God doesn't let people who have faith not be rewarded. It may not look like rewards to the world, but it's rewards to those who know Jesus. But I would be remiss if we didn't look very quickly here at this as a picture of salvation. Because Rahab is a picture of salvation. Grand pronouncements of God were not enough to save Rahab. Think about that for just a minute. Rahab stood and said something that was only said three other times in all of Scripture before she was shows up. And her grand pronouncement that God was given in the land and that he was God and heaven above and on earth below, that was not enough to bring her salvation. In order for anyone in Jericho to be saved, they had to be with her in her house and she had to have the scarlet cord tied in her window. The cord is scarlet. Come on, that's it's a one-to-one -one correlation, right? The blood of Jesus. Hanging in the window. She was marked by the blood of Jesus. It had to be in her house. She had to have the scarlet cord in the window. It was the source of salvation for the spies. She had let them down out of the window with the scarlet cord. And the source of salvation for the spies was now the mark of the hope of her salvation. There was the cord, just like the blood of the Passover on the door, had to be there to guarantee salvation. The picture here is so much bigger. The spies went away. The deliverer was coming. And with him comes either salvation or destruction. Salvation to those who have the sign and destruction to those who don't. Notice Rahab immediately tied the score, the cord to her window before she got anyone else. That's our picture. We have to accept Jesus and come under the blood and then tell everybody else to get in here and be a part. Because this is the only way you're going to make it. This is the only way you're going to have salvation. This is the only way you won't face destruction. You come under the scarlet cord. You come under the blood of Jesus and become a part of this. And when you do, you will have salvation. When the deliverer comes, when he comes, he will deliver you from that. He will deliver you from the bondage you were in. And he will place you into eternal life with Jesus. Man, what a picture. Rahab has faith. And sometimes I think her faith is greater than the faith of most of us today. Because she didn't have any hope when she made her proclamation. But yet she knew that God was God. 
She knew it. She was following it. She said, this is who I am. Now, I'm going to protect you. Will you protect me? Maybe this morning, maybe you've been struggling with your faith. Maybe you've been making grand proclamations, but your life hasn't been, hasn't been lining up. Now's the time to make it right. Maybe this morning, there are people in your life that, that you want to come under the scarlet cord, that you want to come under the blood of Jesus and be a part. Now's the time to pray for them. Maybe this morning some other need. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to share the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning, though, you've never taken a step to know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to make Him your own. Now's the time. Now's the time you just walk down and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings.